0: Hello, Region. My name is Sierra. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm in recovery from pride, anger, control, and this week, some fear. So, this is a little different. Um, We are going to be having a panel tonight. And so, for some of you, you submitted your questions. Others of you, you're like, what's going on? We've been doing a series over emotions. Um, And so, we thought, man, there's so much to cover let's hear from the experts in the room, which are our leaders and coaches. They're like, who, us? Uh, our leaders and coaches who get to be in the front lines every single week and get to help you and process with you uh, and point you to Jesus in the midst of any and all emotions that you might experience. And so I am so grateful uh, for our friends here because they bless me often. They care for people so well, and I'm excited for you to get to hear from them. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we'll jump in for the night.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, everyone. My name is Tripp. I have a new life in Christ. I'm recovering from lust, control, fear of man, and this week, anxiousness.
2: Hey, Trip. Hi, my name is Chris, and I have a new life in Christ, and I've been in recovery for people-pleasing, pride, control,
3: and this week, laziness. Hi, Chris. Hi I'm John. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from anger and judgment, and this week, uh, a little lack of patience.
4: Hey, guys, I'm Trisha, uh, New Life in Christ, and recovery for pride, perfectionism, fear of man, and this past week, um, just fear in general.
0: Um, So we were, as a team, deciding on all the questions we got a lot of questions, which I was so grateful for, but it also made it really hard to pick and choose, and so I tried to kind of mash some questions together to kind of answer everything that we could, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to all of them, but hopefully, you'll get some great insight into um, just how God's word speaks to all emotions, Um, and so one of the questions that I thought was really helpful that I just thought would start our evening off well, which was, it says, talking about emotions in church can sometimes feel like self-help. Is it helpful or even biblical for, for the Christian to talk about emotions? And I loved that question because, one, it was honest, but also, two, it sets up well of why we're talking about it Because I think the church, like the global church in general, hasn't always done well in talking about emotions because of what culture has said about them or maybe we uh, handle them in an unhealthy way. And I'm hopeful that that question will actually be answered tonight as we answer some of these questions. But knowing and hearing that God's work speaks to all of this and so anytime that we're giving practical examples or we're giving information it's all backed by God's word and you'll kind of hear that as we share um, a lot of information tonight so I'll kind of come back to that question at the very end because I think what you'll find is that you're going to hear that actually it is really important for the Christian to talk about emotions so let's jump into it first question of the night is Where does God speak to or mention emotions in the Bible? Because sometimes we don't always think that God's word speaks to it, but we think it does. And so, Tripp, why don't you start and answer that question?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the short answer is they're mentioned all throughout the Bible. Uh, Scripture spends a lot of time discussing, I think, God's own emotions, such as his joy over his people in Zephaniah 3, uh, or even his grief over man's rebellion in Genesis 6. Um, And this just goes to show that God is not cold or distant or robotic, but he's personal and relational and he cares for us um, beyond that though i think in this series we've talked a lot about that god created us to be emotional beings and so also god and his love for us i think has provided us a lot of practical instruction for handling the emotions handling the emotions we face day to day and so i think these are all throughout scripture so uh, warnings against anger in proverbs 29 uh, instructions for love in first corinthians 13 but i think beyond all that if i had to double click on one area of scripture that discussed emotions i don't think you have to look much further than the life and teachings of jesus Uh, jesus dedicates some large portions of his teachings to emotions i can think of uh, matthew 6 in the sermon on the mount where he spends a beautiful passage discussing anxiousness Uh, beyond that though you can also look at just the life of jesus and how he responded to his own emotions such as in the garden of gethsemane the night before he's crucified how he submits just the immense sorrow and grief that he's feeling to the will of God the Father. Yeah.
0: No, that's good. And if you were here the first week, Chuck and I did a co-teaching over that exact scripture of the Garden of Gethsemane. And so if, if you want, go ahead and listen to that on Spotify. It kind of unpacks that a little bit more. So I love that you brought that up. Um, but also if you look in the Psalms, literally every Psalm is so many emotions, up and down and back and forth, and yet God meets us um, in those in, in the middle of all of it and in the middle of the Psalmist writing, uh what we now read often, and yet every emotion is there and God speaks to it. Um, But then also, as I kind of answering the questions around, okay, we know that the Bible speaks to emotions now, but really kind of getting to the personal side of things. And so this was a question that we got. It says, how do I address my emotions with God, especially when I feel like it contradicts what scripture says? How should I deal with my emotions if they are unhealthy? And what are some practical steps that I can take? Now, I know that's kind of a lot of questions in one, but I think they kind of all kind of feed together a little bit. Um, And so I would love for Tricia to kind of take that first stab at all those
4: questions. (laughs) Sure, I'll try. No pressure. Um, So I think you kind of already touched on this a little bit when you first um, started us out. But there is a misconception in the Christian culture that there are two different kinds of emotions. There's good emotions and there's bad emotions. The bad being the fear, the anger, um, sadness. And um, it's shameful if you have those quote unquote bad emotions, and you should move past them quickly because it clearly means you don't have enough faith in a good God. And I would say that Scripture contradicts that misconception. And I have a few different verses written out. Um, Ephesians four says, "Be angry and do not sin, and uh, do not let the sun go down in your anger." And never says don't be angry, but it says be angry, just don't let it lead you into sin. Matthew five four says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted." Um, you're allowed to mourn. You're allowed to be sad. Mark eleven, Matthew twenty one, both talk about how Jesus was so angry that he was turning over tables in the temple um, because the temple was not being used for, thank you, um, what what he intended it to be used for. And then... um, John eleven thirty five the shortest verse in all of scripture, Jesus wept. He cried over the loss of his friend. Um, Luke twenty two forty four 44 says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling on the ground. This is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, which we already talked about. And that's a real medical condition. When someone faces severe anxiety, they actually sweat blood. Um, and so even Jesus himself was experiencing that. Um, and God already assumes that we're going to have those emotions. He made us in his image. He experienced his emotions himself, love, delight, sadness, grief, um, jealousy, anger. And we should be comfortable to give him the rawest emotions of what we're feeling and let him hold them, knowing that he can understand them and he knows what to do with them. And I just want to go back real quick to Luke twenty-two forty-four to think about, okay, what do we do with those hard emotions? Um, Jesus prayed more earnestly than he already was praying because he was f- facing that anxiety. We bring those um, cares to him because... Um, He cares for us, and the closest that I've ever felt to God are the times I've been literally on my bathroom floor (laughs) crying out to God, um, just calling on his name and asking him to meet me there, and he asked. That's good, and I think, and this is not always the case, but Girls and guys can
0: sometimes think about emotions differently as well. And you being able to say, I'm crying on the bathroom floor and crying out to the Lord. Um, and some guys do that, don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes it's a little different. And so, John, I would love to hear from your perspective of just what does that look like practically and, and kind of answering some of those questions.
3: Yeah, I, I do cry on the floor all the time. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think I would dumb it down and just say that the way I address my emotions with God is I pray to him. Uh, think about First Peter uh, 5, 6, and 7. It said, um, just humble yourself uh, so that he can exalt you um, and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. All right. And in regen, um, and those here for the first time, by the way, uh, you're going to be with Tricia and I. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, um, both
0: leading for some guests tonight. Yes.
3: So welcome. Uh, but we like to say in regen that um, – we believe strongly in James five. So we like you to confess and and give your um, your sins over to Christ with believers listening. And then the believers gather together and we pray because the, the prayer of a righteous person uh, is very powerful. So when I think of practical steps, um, again, pretty easy, pray to him. Uh, the second one looks like, uh, you know, from physical steps that you might be able to take. You know, if you're sad, try smiling, right? Um, if you're anxious, take a breath. Take a deep breath and try to get your blood pressure down, right? So uh, step two would be confess to others and then let them pray for you because we all need righteous people praying for us. It's powerful. And my cornerstone in in uh, Regen is Proverbs three. 5, and it says, do not rely on your own understanding, all right? We, when we do that, we mess up, but in everything, submit to him, and he'll set your path straight.
0: That's good. And, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Oren Martin came and taught, and we were discussing something as he was kind of talking through anger. And he didn't actually talk about it on stage, but I thought, I'm going to steal that, and I'm going to share it during the panel. Um, very similar to what John was just saying, he kind of gave some steps, and he said, hey, you have to recognize those feelings or emotions that maybe are unhealthy, and then confess it to God, um, and then talk to others and ask for help, and then turn from it, refocus on the cross, and replace it with God's promises. And so maybe it is a fight to be thankful, like John said. Maybe it's putting a smile on your face. Maybe it's having a gratitude journal. Uh, And then forgiving because you know you have been forgiven. And also loving because you know that you have been loved by God. And so sometimes it is a just real tangible step of saying, okay, how do I shift my perspective in a physical way um, and in a way that honors the Lord? And so kind of the next question that we got is, we know, okay. Now we have these emotions. Sometimes they're unhealthy. Sometimes they're healthy. But there's a lot of ups and downs. And one question was, is it unbiblical to avoid temptation or sadness by staying busy? Because sometimes we can want to push down our emotions. And so, Chris, I'd love for you to speak to that.
2: Well, I've spent a lot of time being busy, so I can answer this one. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we're always going to have temptation in our lives, um, but. We live in a broken world. We have a sinful nature. But it's not wrong to be tempted, but it isn't healthy to, cho- to give in to the temptation. Those are not always good choices that end up well for us. But God gives us the strength to overcome temptation. His Holy Spirit lives within us. So through prayer and seeking his will for our lives is, is one way that I try and fight the temptations I come across So when you are tempted, um, what we like to talk about in small groups is you have accountability partners when you get to step four. That's so that you have someone, two or three people during the week. When you come across a struggle or a temptation, call that person. Let them know. You know, you can be stopped from giving in if you just talk to somebody about it. Don't keep it in. Live in your head. Um, And then sadness unfortunately, is always going to be in our world. Um, God did not promise us a life free from sadness or pain or sorrow, but we can experience peace and comfort only through God, um, through his word. I see busyness is the opposite of waiting and trusting in Christ. It's a way to avoid uh, what God wants for us. And we live in a culture where we want what we want when we want it. And so, we don't focus on the value of Christ. We focus on what we value at the moment. Um, we become busy for the wrong things. So um, follow the words of Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 7. Rather, train yourself for godliness.
0: That's good. And, and I want to be clear with that of, hey, maybe for some of you, healthy coping skills. Maybe you're like, I am having a really bad day. I'm feeling angry. I need to go on a run, kind of get some of this tension out of my shoulders. Like, that's a good thing. But what we're talking about is when you start to use busyness or activities or things to avoid your emotions and not deal with them at all. That is when it becomes unhealthy. And so we're not saying don't use healthy coping skills, but when you start to use good things as ways to just completely avoid or not take them to the Lord, that's when it gets to the unhealthy spot. Now, next question kind of feeds into that of what if I don't know how to identify my emotions? So maybe some people in the room, you're like, I don't feel all the emotions. I have zero emotions at this point. Maybe you're suppressing them or you think that emotions are weakness. Maybe that's something that you were taught. So how can they reframe their perspective and process emotions in a healthy way? Um, So let's start with Trip and let him answer that question.
1: Yeah, I think first of all, it's helpful to acknowledge that emotions themselves are not sin. So, sin is the problem, not emotions. Now, we want to be careful, of course, uh, to guard ourselves uh, from being ruled by our, our emotions and letting emotions lead us to sin. But emotions are not inherently the problem. Uh, there are even passages of Scripture where God commands us to express emotions. I think of Romans twelve fifteen that says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep." Um, and then also too, I think it's helpful to remember that God is not anti-emotion. We've talked about God's emotions. Uh, we are made in His image with our emotions, uh, and they are part of God's innate design for us. Um, and so, I think practically, I would just say, don't. It's not helpful to suppress God's innate design for you. Uh, I think it's helpful to acknowledge your emotions as they occur. I just simply submit them to the Lord in prayer. Uh, 1 Thessalonians four three says uh, that this is God's will, your sanctification. Uh, and so I think with that, we can have confidence as we draw near to God and just simply submit our emotions to him and earnestly seek his guidance. Um, after all, he understands our emotions because he created us with the capacity to feel them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good trip. And even in thinking about all of that, of hey, we know that we can give them to the Lord, we can surrender to the Lord, but they're still hard. They're hard emotions to process through. I mean, sometimes they're overwhelming at times. And so I'd love to hear, kind of pitch it to Tricia. I know you've been walking through just some hard stuff in a hard season. would love for you to answer this question too.
4: Yeah, no, I'm glad I got this question because I have. In the past month, I really wrestled with the tension of um, exactly that. How do I not overfeel things, but how do I not avoid feeling things at the same time? I used to be the person that deeply, overly felt things and sat in that grief and was like, no one's going to pull me out of this. I want to be sad. I'm going to stay sad. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to be that person anymore. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to always be happy. If I'm on the winning side, if I have God with me, um, then it must mean that I can have an easy life here right and um, that the fullness of joy that's reserved for eternity I could be able to have it here in this worldly life and um it was really great for a little bit there and then reality hit me over the head quickly um My dad has been going through a lot um, over the past several years, but recently it all just kind of came to a head where he has a couple different brain surgeries this past week, Um, and it was really scary for our whole family, Um, and I realized that I could no longer suppress the anxiety that I was feeling. I had to let it out um, and deal with the reality that loss and death and surgeries and disease occur in this lifetime. He's in recovery now, so that's great. Praise God, but... um, I knew that I needed to grieve that, and um, while I can grieve as one with hope, I can't altogether um, run away from grief in of itself, um, and because we've tasted and seen what's good, it's no wonder that the things that aren't of God, the things that aren't good are so painful and hurt us so deeply, and it's okay to take that kind of emotion to the Lord. Um, and practically some things that I think to reframe my mind in those seasons where I just feel like I could sit in this forever are one, um, take those griefs and pains to other people, bring the body of Christ in with you, let them pray and fast with you. Fasting is powerful. Um, and then also two: when you are, Praying, pray confidently, play boldly, expectant that God is going to answer your prayer with the best possible outcome. Um, trusting and believing that if his yet His prayer, or His prayer answer is yes, he is good. And if his answer is a no, he is good because he's going to hold me in that grief um, and in that moment of sorrow. And then lastly, keep an eternal perspective, um, knowing that whatever grief and pain that we feel in this lifetime, it's not comparable to the joy that we'll experience in eternity. It's really good. And I think because, like I said at the very
0: beginning, that with just, you know, culture and church and and so many just factors around the word emotions and feelings and the differences between the two and, and all of that, it can be really difficult, especially, I think, about growing up. I used to hear things like big girls don't cry or big boys don't cry um, or, you know, sadness is weakness, you know, leaving the body or something like that. Um, and I heard that stuff and I just thought that was true. I thought everyone knew that and you just pretended like everything was okay even when it wasn't. And so we're almost having to reteach ourselves that emotions are normal and they're good and they don't have to dictate our life, but they can be indicators that something else is going on, especially as you're walking through the regeneration process. we got to be honest, there's probably, if I – you know, just surveyed the room, probably there's so many different things and emotions that are happening in your heart and mind. And yet God meets us in that. And so we don't have to think it's weakness, but it's actually something God speaks to and specifically around the term weakness, I thought of a verse, and that's found in 2 Corinthians, and it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I'm like, man. If emotions or feelings are weakness, then great. I get to surrender that to the Lord, and my weakness is made perfect through his power. And so if that's something that you're wrestling with, of the emotions that you're feeling, that maybe you think this is what weakness is, hey, weakness is actually really helpful because it is made perfect through Jesus. And so that's something you can remember and cling to no matter what emotion that you're feeling. But I think, again, having a healthy perspective around emotions, we have to talk about the negative perspective. And so for the people in the room that maybe are saying, okay, I get it, emotions are good, but what about when we allow our lives to be ruled by emotions? Almost kind of just follow your heart, do whatever you feel is best. Um, and so sometimes we hear that in culture as well. And so I'd love to hear from you, Chris, um, who has experienced lots of emotions, Um how would you answer that question? I've experienced lots of emotions because I've been around a long time. <laughs> you, don't look a, you don't look a day over 21. Yeah, there you
2: go. Yeah, liar. So <laughs> we naturally have unclean hearts, right? So our thoughts and our emotions determine how we are going to speak and what we say. Um, and so Jeremiah seventeen nine states, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So, if my heart is full of envy, I'm not going to be nice. If my heart is full of resentments or hatred, those are going to come out in my life. Those are going to come out in my words and my behaviors. So, I, I may act out instead of acting out of the spirit of the Lord.
0: That's good. We have to know what's going on inside our heart. And again, understanding that sometimes emotions can be unhealthy. You can be following your heart. I asked uh, one of my teammates, I won't say her name, Emily. She's like looking at me. I asked her, I said, can you bring me your feelings, Will, from your office? Um, Because she has one. Uh, And so if you're unfamiliar with this, this is really helpful for my people who maybe follow their emotions too much or don't know what emotions you're feeling. And so in the middle are kind of the core emotions and then all the feelings are kind of on the outside. And so sometimes we'll use it and we'll say, well, what emotion are you feeling? And she's like, tired. I'm like, that's not an emotion, um, <laughs> um, And so sometimes we have to use this. Zig said he has it on his favorite favorite photos on his phone. Because they're helpful when you're like, I just don't know what I'm feeling. And sometimes I need a little tool. So I thought I'd give you a little image here of what this looks like it's okay to not know what emotions you're experiencing, but to have helpful tools to navigate them and put words to them and to have God's people around you and God's word to help you navigate them. And so if you don't have one of these, it's an easy, quick Google. This one's laminated, so it's very fancy. So Carter has it hung up in her office. So I think that's just a super fun thing because, again, we all need help with our emotions. But Now we're like, okay, hey, talked about my emotions. I feel like I'm doing pretty good with my emotions, but what about other people's emotions? Because now you're thinking, how do I love people? How do I care for people? Um, And so here's a great question that I loved. Um, It says, how to respond to other people's unhealthy emotions? Without being codependent, um, how do I draw boundaries? And I think that's great. So I would love John. (laughs) John. I'd love for you to answer these questions and kind of speak to kind of codependency, how to draw boundaries, all of those things.
3: Can I borrow your wheel?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look,
3: when you have unhealthy friends and family around you, man, it's really difficult, right? But you got to draw boundaries. Uh, and biblically speaking, boundaries are just self-control, right? Unhealthy friends, unhealthy.
0: Put put it to your mind.
3: <laughs> Am I getting too far away? <laughs> Well, I get a little loud sometimes, but uh, un- unhealthy friends and family—they um, try to control you, and they they bring chaos to the game, right? So you have to draw your area and just say, "This is my safe zone. This is this is mine. You're not invited." And uh, I maybe, know it sounds maybe funny, maybe not but not as he-
0: mean as that. But like, yeah, <laughs>
3: it's hard to do at Christmas time, right? Leave. Um, but look, healthy boundaries simply protect you. And if you've got weaker family members, then you're also protecting them from harm. Um, and you're also avoiding one of my problems, the codependency, right? Because I deal with anger, and so I get a chaotic wild man in there, and he's spouting off at the family dinner, and all of a sudden I'm angry, and i become part of his sin struggle. So we want to avoid being a part of someone else's sin struggle. So. Practical steps here. Get back to something very easy, man. Just know your Bible, know the Word. Um, and paraphrasing First Timothy, I think it, it says to be nourished by the truth. All right. Don't be nourished by uh, godless um, myths or old oh, wives' tales or gossip. Right. And uh, we talk about this a lot in um, in Regen and the first time circles. Uh, if you're dealing with um, an addiction like alcohol, um, you have to be willing to change your playground and your playmates, right? You can't expect if your drinking buddies call you up to go watch the game at the bar and you show up that you're going to be successful in um, battling your struggles. So you got to make some changes.
0: Yeah, that's good. And – You might be thinking, okay, how do I, if I do have, you know, Christmas with my family and I need to draw healthy boundaries, but I can't really just cut them out of my life a lot of times. Sometimes you can, um, but other times you can't. So how do I, how do I navigate that? Um, And that is difficult coming from someone who has had a really hard family life at times and having to draw those really healthy boundaries Asking yourself, okay, what does it look like to make my relationship with the Lord a priority? Um, And making sure that I am not um, adding to their struggle like John just talked about. But also being sure to say, I can't save this person. I can't make them change. I cannot control them. Um, And so I can love them. I can speak truth to them. But actually sometimes drawing boundaries are the most loving things to do for individuals who might be struggling or you might be enabling their behavior because we don't want that. You can draw clear and healthy boundaries and say very hard things in a loving way that's completely true and also completely uh, loving and compassionate and forgiving and full of grace and yet drawing a firm line. One of my favorite things around scripture in terms of enabling behavior or drawing healthy boundaries um, is found in Psalm 81. It's 11, I believe, through 13. Um, And it talks about God is talking to Israel. And he says, Israel would not submit to me, but I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. And then his direct line afterwards was, oh, how I wish my people would listen to me. So it's like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to give you over to your sin because man, you're you're not listening. I've tried to reason with you. I've tried to share truth with you. I've tried to remind you of the gospel. I've tried to do all those things, and at this point, my best and most loving step is to take a step back from from this person or from you, and I'm going to just pray and ask the Lord to continue to reveal because sometimes even making that hard line is actually giving them the ability to spend time with the Lord and allowing the Lord to soften their heart and change their minds and remove the scales from their eyes and so sometimes boundaries are the most loving thing that you can do especially for someone who's having a lot of unhealthy emotions directed at you um, and so God is kind and he's good um, and sometimes it is hard I don't want to tell you that it's easy but it is sometimes needed um, and I'll kind of go back to that last or that first question that I originally talked about like is this just the self-help thing I hope you heard All throughout these is that we can handle emotions in a healthy way. Sometimes they're going to be temptation. Sometimes they're going to be unhealthy. But we can surrender those to the Lord. We can lay them at the cross. We can be reminded of his promises and his truth. And he speaks to all of them. And for some of you in the room, you're thinking, okay, how do I continue to grow and process my emotions in a healthy way? For some of you in the room, you're thinking, I'm trying to figure out who Jesus is, and you're talking about my emotions. Like, I don't even know where to begin, and what a great week to be here um, because we're walking in to uh, Good Friday and and coming to Easter um, this weekend, which if you don't know what that's about, like, it is about Jesus, that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and when he died on the cross and his blood was shed, he Conquered all of our sin, past, present, and future, and he was buried and raised again um, so that we might be reconciled to God. And he ascended into heaven, leaving his helper, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within us to help us navigate emotions and life and circumstances. Like God loves us so much that he did all of that for us that we might understand who Jesus is and what he did for us. And so I don't know where you're at in in your road of region, but what I hope you hear tonight is that God speaks to everything. There is nothing new under the sun, and it doesn't mean that your problem is unique because I guarantee you there's probably someone in this room that has struggled with it or is struggling with it, and they just need someone to speak up. And so we hope that in your groups tonight, you will be authentic, you will be vulnerable, you will share, and if you have any follow-up questions, Ask your leaders. They would love to answer those questions. And so, guys, let's give a round of applause for our panelists. I'm so glad that you got to hear from people who are on the front lines. We are grateful for them and their leadership. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then I have just a few more announcements before we head to small groups. Lord, thank you um, that you are a God who... uh, has had every temptation, every emotion, everything that could have ever been experienced, and you meet us in the midst of it, that you are not a high priest that doesn't sympathize with us, but that you know us and you love us, and you have created us to be emotional beings so that we might um, experience you in a deep way. I pray that each and every individual in this room, that they would know you fully, and that they would surrender their lives to you, and that they would know um, that when Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose again, um, that that is the gospel. That is what changes and transforms and regenerates their life, and that as they grow in their relationship with you, um, they get to navigate emotions, not in a free way, but in an easier way, because we know that life is hard, um, and yet you love us enough to meet us and bring us comfort. And so we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.